Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Nick Costco. Nick is the co-host of the Breakaway Wealth podcast, along with Jim Oliver. Really appreciate Nick joining me today. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Nick Costco. Nick and I train jujitsu together. Yes, yes. Thanks for having me. Yeah, certainly. Um, Your family, shout out to Gracie Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky. Yes. Professor Scott Smith, Professor Adam Miller, the whole crew there. Your family has been coming to Gracie Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky for... Yeah, we uh, January 31st will be a year for us, and we're just shy of that. Okay. And so it started off with my fourth of kids, little Moose, yes, uh, who was five at the time. We needed an outlet for the knucklehead. Sure. And uh, I don't know why. Yeah, uh, how did that... I'm always I, curious how people end up. Well, so... I believe the genesis of it is Jocko Willink's books, uh, The Way of the Warrior Kid. Okay. Uh, which are phenomenal. If anybody's listening that is a parent, they are phenomenal parenting books and uh, guidebooks for kids. Um, great audio books. Uh, we started listening to them on, uh, on road trips. And in there, he talks about jujitsu a whole lot. Sure. And I had done martial arts as a kid. Um, useless martial arts, frankly. Okay. Um, and so I was pretty attracted to it. It was on my bucket list actually was to someday get a black belt and something. Um, I, boy, have my eyes been opened, uh, in the, in the last year there, but, uh, one thing led to another. I don't know why. I think it's the closest one to our house. Gotcha. Um, was, you are fortunate. Gracie Jiu Jitsu of Kentucky has a, no doubt, amazing kids program. So here's the fun part. I would have lost a large, 
stack of $100 bills that my wife would try at one time, much less be completely hooked. So to your point, the culture there is remarkable. It is. So if you're, if you're in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, you want to try something um, that would absolutely normally intimidate you, just know going to that gym couldn't possibly be a more welcoming space. Agreed. It's an interesting topic because even if it's the most welcoming space, jujitsu is still not necessarily probably for everyone. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. You, you got to, and I'm not just saying that people who stick with it are the most humble or any, you know, <laughs> obviously you and I both like it, even though, you know, sure. go in there and have to tap a lot, things like that. But it's still not everyone's cup of tea, even within men, but I guess in particular within females. Absolutely. I mean, it's super intimidating. I wrestled a little bit in high school. I've done sports. I've, uh, but that first 10, 15 classes is, it's a tough one to break through. Yeah. Uh, the mental uncomfortableness of, you know, physicality. And, um, you know, for the, for the women to real, for Mayor to realize, you know, there's this amazing community there mm-hmm. of these women. And then to watch how that, that evolution of, of, of her and her girlfriends from, Hey, we're only rolling with each other to now I'm, I'm willing to bet you you've rolled with, with most of those women. Probably. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, they're completely comfortable. So they've come out of their shells they're, It's just like watching my kids, right? Like watching uh, my eight year old Katie who watched her brother go for two months and then said, Hey, I'm in. And now she's absolutely obsessed with it. Yeah. Of the six in our house, all of us are doing it to some degree. Katie and Mare are the ones that um, they're in it. They're in it to win it. Wow. So that's, I, I'm, I'm so pleasantly surprised and watching their confidence grow. Couldn't be any more rewarding. I've said it before on the podcast, but in 2000, March of 2014, I lived in J-Town. I found the Academy also, signed my son up, who at the time was four years old. Okay. And... He jumped right in, enjoyed the dodgeball. Like, you yeah. know, certain parts of it were fun. My daughter was doing uh, ballet at the time. She also saw her her brother having so much fun, decided <laughs> to quit ballet, yeah. um, join in. And that was 2014. So, you know, it's 2023 now. Wow. So time really goes by fast. My daughter's still training pretty regularly. Both of my daughters are somewhat regularly. Right now, my son's not so much. Okay. But, you know, I think it's a... a a family type thing no doubt. as long as I think a, a big part of it is that you are doing it. Uh, Meredith is doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even if any of the kids have times where maybe their interest goes up or down, sure. it will still be, you know, at least a consistent presence no in doubt. their life and a positive influence. Absolutely. A positive influence. I mean, teaching the discipline, teaching, um, there's a, just a litany of, of, of lessons that are learned there at the mat, at the gym and the community that we built. Um, Nick, I, I did not know uh, until recently that you actually host uh, or you are a co-host of a podcast yourself. That's right. Breakaway Wealth Podcast. Okay. And for how long have you been involved with that? Uh, four years. I believe we're coming up on four years. I've, you know, time flies. I, I believe we are this 20, this summer will be four years that we've been running the Breakaway Wealth Podcast with my co-host, Jim Oliver. Um, and we just have a blast with it. It's a uh, teaching Teaching people how to break away from the herd. Nothing good happens in the herd, we say. Okay. Uh, break away from the herd, break away wealth, of course, so related to finances. Break Absolutely. away from the um, 
conventional wisdom oftentimes when it comes to money. Absolutely. Which is, of course, in our country, we could dive deeper into that whole <laughs> conversation about, you know, the Federal Reserve and our debt society and all that stuff. That's right. Um, but it trickles down and there's a lot of bad habits financially for, for uh, I would say, the vast majority of the country. Uh, absolutely. So let's just let's just kind of look at it globally. Like when we're watching, you know, today, Ryan, you're going to see um, five to 10,000 ads today. Mm. Okay. So there's, look, there's an Under Armour right okay. there. Like okay. all these little ads, they're everywhere, right? Okay. Do you know what they all have in common? Mm. No. To get money to flow away from you. Okay. And so what's happening? Money's flowing away from everyone, but there's a little piece of the world that knows how to do the opposite and get mm. money to flow to them in an uncommon way. So really the question is, it's like little moose. Okay. So moose asked me why about 4 million times a day. Good. Okay. That's a good thing. And I'm, I'm a 46 year old guy trapped, you know, in a, on a, a little kid's body. Right. Sure. So I'm, I'm the curious cat too. So the real question we always have to ask is why challenge the norms, right? You know, like don't be a sheep challenge the norm. So if, if all, if very few people have money flowing to them, why? Right. Why, why is that the case? Yeah. Why is it the case? Cause some people have figured out the flow of money. Right. And if we look at it and we just say, hey, there's really one pool of money in the world, all right? All of it's connected. Have you ever heard the term money follows the sun? I don't think so, no. So when a bank in New York closes, it lends money to a bank in Chicago. And then Chicago banks close, they lend to Denver. And it literally goes around the world. Oh, okay. All right? And it's that overnight lending, overly simplistic. I'm, I'm uh, speaking this, but... Every transaction goes through a bank. Hmm. Okay. All right. So if every transaction goes through a bank, there must be something to that, right? Hmm. Okay. So why wouldn't, why in our lives has no one ever said, hey, you should figure out how to be your own banker? Hmm. Okay. If it's the most important business in the world, why would I not pursue it? Okay. Because we've been told something else. And it's to get money to flow away from us. It's not in our best interest. And, th and there's really three entities that are phenomenal about getting control of our money. Wall Street, the banks, and the government. It's quite fascinating. Hmm, okay. And so we got to figure out what, the do, what do they know that we don't know. And that's ultimately the, the quest is to figure out the unseen about money and and pursue that you know like and i know and i've listen i've got friends in the financial advising space you've got family like the the people aren't bad sure it's the system that is not serving us very well sure because really all those three entities the government wall street and the banks they want the same three things they want control of our money they want to build liquidity with our money they want to have use of our money, and they want to build equity with our money. Clue. You can remember it that way. So how much money of yours does Wall Street want to have? As much as they can. As much as you'll, much as you'll give them, right? Sure. Yeah. How long do they want to keep it? 
For as long as they can. As long as you'll tolerate, sure. right? Okay. And, and how much of it do they want to pay back to you? The bare minimum. As little as you'll tolerate, right? And so it's everyone else has control of our money. And so when I say, hey, money's flowing away from us, mm-hmm. it's not just to Under Armour. It's not just to the brand you're wearing. It's not just to H&P there, right? It's everyone wants control of our money because they're going to go make money with our money. Sure. It's that leverage game, right? And, you know, obviously we're not dealing in a sound money economy, mm. <laughs> right? We'd have to we'd have to dive into the Austrian way, right? Yeah. Is uh, a brief summary, what do you mean by we're not dealing in a sound money? We have a fiat yeah, currency model. What is, is a summary for someone who's trying to follow, doesn't know what that means? What would your summary of that be? We just print money out of thin air. <laughs> Okay. What? Yeah, like it's literally. That does sound like complete, like, (laughs) like you're a conspiracy theorist by saying that. Yeah, but it's just the facts. It's especially over the past few years. I mean, at an accelerated rate. Okay. Right, the boom bust, boom bust model. So, most people have no idea how this works. So, you know, you know, the Federal Reserve was created in 1913, right? Mm -hmm. You know what else was created at the same time? No. The IRS. Okay, okay. Right? So how does the government um, pay the Federal Reserve? Is there anything federal about the Federal Reserve? No. Not really, I right? mean, not technically. Not technically, right? It's Yeah, it's not a government agency. That's right. It's not It's not what it's really built to be, right? Not air quotes at yeah, federal agency. So they lend money to the Treasury. Okay. Right? Well, so the Treasury is the government. That's us, right? And... I I remember I, I, it wasn't uh, Greenspan. I'm trying to remember which <laughs> which uh, one of those knuckleheads that was running the Federal Reserve said this. It, it was in like Time or Newsweek or something like that. It was like this uh, FAQ, and it was you know everyone accuses us of just printing money, and it went down this long convoluted explanation of we don't actually print the money. We just hit a like a <laughs> yeah. We don't re- actually print it. Yeah, we we just hit in return- a computer. Yeah, we we send ones and zeros over to the treasury, who then lend it to the banks. Right, um, overly simplistic again. Right, it, it it disseminates through our system. Right. Well, how does the treasury get the money to pay the interest on the money they just borrowed from the Federal Reserve through the IRS? Okay. Right. So there's a was it Bernanke maybe. I, I don't think it was. Um, I know. It it had to have been. I, I'm, Bernanke was from 2006 through 2014. Greenspan from 87, substantial year, through 2006. So Okay. It I had don't to know. Be, it, when, it had to have been Bernanke then. Okay. And, um, you know, so when people say, hey, taxes, you know, I'll ask people all the time, hey, do you think taxes are going up or down in the future? Well, People go, well, I think they're going up or they'll be, well, it kind of depends on who's in office. No, it it's a math problem. They're going up. They can move the deck chairs around all they want, right? But it's going up because when you print money, that's tax. they have to pay interest on that. The okay. only way that the federal government doesn't produce anything, it's a parasite, right? Mm-hmm. We're the host, okay? So- the only way that they can pay the interest is through the IRS. Why do you, why did they just hire or say they're going to hire 87,000 IRS agents? 
because they got to go get the money to pay the banks, which are privately owned. Okay. Right? So they just print money out of thin air, right? So it, it do, it's not serving us. I mean, just look at the cost of your goods and services right now, right? It's Everything's just costing more. Is that keeping is it, Are wages keeping up with that? Certainly not. No. That's why everybody's scratching and clawing and feeling the pinch, right? Mm-hmm. So... Does it feel good to say, hey, we're going to send everybody a $200 check from the government? It's not solving any problems, right? Mm-hmm. They're just moving moving it around. And really, who's making all the money? The banks, hmm. right? Yeah. So um, I don't know how we got down that road. No, but I asked you to describe what your description of the oh, – yeah. that <laughs> we don't have a sound money system. Yeah. That yeah. We do not. So, in in theory, there would be like a limited amount of, say, gold. Yes, would be perfect if Asset everything backed. was gold prior to seventy four, seventy two. Although the Federal Reserve was created in nineteen thirteen, seventy two or seventy four, they officially went off the gold standard. I think what it, is yeah. what it was, and it was supposed to be temporary. Yeah, of course. everything's temporary with the government, right? Sure, it's right up until it's not. Until they never ever <laughs> reverse anything. <laughs> Never. They don't give up any control. And that they, was, I believe, the French um, were calling notes. And and so I believe it was Nixon, maybe, uh, who said, hey, we have to temporarily keep them from calling this. So we're going to go off of the gold standard temporarily. And, I, and obviously, my details are a little fuzzy, but it's somewhere in that universe sure. of yeah. how it, it started. Well, if you start really looking at money supply, well, now the, now the gloves were off. Right, and they could print as much as they want to solve "quote unquote" solve problems. So, when the Federal Reserve manipulates interest rates, right? If they want you, they we're we're in a Keynesian economic system, okay, Maynard Keynes. So, they need money to move. That's what they want to have. They don't want you to be save savers, okay? Robert Kiyosaki famously has said, "Savers are losers." Sure. I right. read Rich Dad, Poor Dad Perfect. years ago, and that was one of my first books kind of consistent with the conversation you're having. That's right. And so if the banks wanted you to save money, interest rates would be 10 15%, something that would incentivize you to do it. Sure. But that's not what they're doing. They, want, they need it to move. We need more debt to happen. That's the system they've built. Okay. As opposed to one where you and I control the system and when when I'm not making enough money and interest, then I move it over there. When goods and services are prices that I want, when I see value, I'll move money accordingly. But they want to control it. So, so the, the, the podcast is primarily about promoting the concepts you're discussing, trying to take control of your financial mm-hmm. uh, uh, future, not... Uh, giving into conventional wisdom. You talk to someone down the street, just some random person, and they're like, <laughs> you got to go to college. Oh, you got to take out some loans. You need a car loan. You need a car. You need a car. How are you going to get to work? Right. Get a nice car. You don't want to get a bad car. I mean, if you listen to the mental gymnastics, oh, the, yeah. the, the consensus of the uh, majority mm-hmm. um, exercises regularly, it's insane. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. It's like, well, you need this. <laughs> It's okay to have a little bit of credit card debt. I mean, don't be up. Are you uptight? You're not uptight, are you? I'm like, no, I'm worried about myself. Like, what? What? I, I don't understand. Um, 
how so many people kind of just go along with uh, the idea of going further and further into making very, very bad financial decisions and how consistent it is. Whereas if you oftentimes, I know this is a very simplistic description of the conversation, but if you were to just really try to live within your means, not overextend yourself, you could live a, a much higher quality of life oftentimes. Yeah. So ultimately what we talk about is financial freedom, okay. right? If I meet somebody out and they go, Hey, what do you do? And very well may come out of my mouth of free slaves. Mm. And, and it's like, what, what are you talking about? A free people from financial slavery. Wow. Okay. The traditional model is enslaving you to be a slave to the system, right? I want to show you how to get your passive income to meet or exceed your ideal standard of living so that you can do what you want to do when you want to do it, right? So that's not going and working a nine to five job, right? I have to acquire cash flow assets. I'm, I'm not interested in putting money in my good growth stock mutual fund and hoping that I get 10 to 12% and that, oh, wait a second, they don't raise taxes and tax the bejesus out of it, mm. you know, when I'm 59 and a half and want to quote unquote retire, you know, like that doesn't interest me at all. So our our mission is to free people from financial slavery. And um, we do that by showing people how to get money into essentially a tax shelter and then use that just like the bank does. Use the exact same system that the bank does. We just take the banking function to the you and me level and we go acquire cash flow assets, real estate, business, whatever that may be, whatever somebody's um, you know, appetite is. And then over the course of your life, you solve the most important financial problem that you'll ever face. Okay, what's that? That you finance everything that you buy. You either pay interest to other people or you give up the ability to earn interest when you pay cash. And no one is teaching you to solve that problem. Mm. It's not, you know, the traditional financial advising model is, Hey, how much money do you have? Where is it? And let me show you how I can do so much better. Sure. I was a series seven licensed financial advisor yeah. for seven years. Yeah. So I, I've, I'm familiar with that side of it. Yeah. So let me That's show the you traditional. How. Let's where's your money. Let's, let's try to mix <laughs> stuff around, move it around a little. Yeah. Conveniently. Maybe I'll get a commission. Yeah. <laughs> and, and let me show you how I'm getting 6.2% instead of what you're getting is 6%. Okay. No, all that's gross, right? No one, no, no financial advisors ever talk about compound annual growth rate, do they? No. Your Kager? No. No, because you wouldn't want to have that conversation with your sure. clients, right? Sure. So that's, hey, that's a, that's a place where you could put money as an investment. It's not a savings plan, but that's how it's built, right? Okay. The bigger problem that you're going to face is that you finance everything you buy. So let me ask you this. Would you rather have if someone's following a traditional model, would you rather have all the money that you've made in wall street or all the money you've paid into paid to other people in interest? Mm, me personally, that's a question unique to me. Yeah. In general, the, the, the general population. Okay. The general population, yeah. the amount that you paid in interest. That's right. So yeah. why wouldn't you solve that problem first? Sure. Right. So, and then you take into consideration, had you not paid that in interest to whoever else, that's right. What would you have been doing with it? So you need like some serious financial calculator yeah. stuff going on here where you're like, well, technically you started paying that in what, <laughs> 2004, 
and then you paid it through 2016 or whatever it yeah. is, had you, instead of been doing that, you've been doing this, where would you be now? That's right. So we, we have, uh, our website is createtailwind.com. And if you go to community.createtailwind or just go into your app store and download, go to your app store and just type in create tailwind, all one word, you'll, you'll find a, a community and it's free. Uh, we've got training courses on there and we have one coming up. You just um, almost teed it up for me is um, we have a course coming out called It's Just Math. Okay. And, and it'll be out here in a couple of weeks and um, hopefully by the end of January of 2020, what are we, 2023? Um, and it is for the person that needs to see all that math. Okay. I'm, I'm much more of a 10,000 foot view guy. I don't need I to see. I think I am too. I yeah. I don't need to hear justification for how I've been paying some bank yeah. for some shit that I didn't need for years. <laughs> and then I need someone to justify to me how I would be better off had I not paid that interest to them. I don't need yeah. that. But I, I, yeah, I see it, where if someone's, you know, everybody's brain's a little different. Yeah. You talk to a customer who's an engineer, something. That's right. And they're going to be like, okay, I don't get it. I, you know, I need to get this. They need to wrap their head around every detail. And that's okay. Everybody right. just kind of operates a little differently. It's like... You know, there's there's some there's a financial entertainer out there that says, "Hey, you need to have your fifth, everything on a 15 year mortgage instead of a 30 year." Mm. Well, are you sure? Always ask the question compared to what. Okay. If if we're going to think like the bank, hmm, maybe I don't want that 15 year mortgage. Maybe it's the 30 year. But why? Okay. Right. And so just think about this. A little example is. A 15-year mortgage interest rate, it's always lower than the 30, right? Mm -hmm. Is that for your benefit or the bank's benefit? Got to be the bank's. 100% for the bank's. Every time. But why? Uh, It's less of, hmm, why is they are um, spreading it out over less time? I I don't know why. Yeah, they want the principal back ASAP, okay? Yes, yes. So in the first, we'll call it uh, seven-ish years, over 80 cents of every dollar goes to someone else in interest, okay. goes to the bank, right? Well, really, that's the kind of honey hole, right, for them. Well, what always happens after you've had a mortgage for about five, six, seven years? Historically, there's chances to refinance. And, and they'll, they're so nice. <laughs> they'll do it for I free. In, I worked in banking also. Yeah, yeah. I was a financial advisor inside a yep. bank. So you're the yep. sweetest people are like, hey, <laughs> you've been paying, you said 80. It's probably. It is more. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But yeah. on average, 80% or more of it, what you're paying back is directly interest. Uh, yep. Is but, straight interest. And then they're like, hey, you want to start that process again? <laughs> I'll love to help you out with that. In, you, want a, you want a candy cane or some yeah, like yeah. little token for? A coffee mug yeah, w- yeah, w- yeah. with the bank's logo <laughs> yeah, on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're so nice. They'll do it for free. And they say, you're going to save $120 a month. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking to yourself, wow, I was paying $1,400 a month. Now I can get down to, you know, 1280 a month. Like, hey, this is uh, maybe we're on to something, right? And you take the bait and you do it. And like you said, the bank knows something, right? (laughs) Yes. Because it's not about the rate. The rate in the financial equation is always a distractor. Mm, Okay. It's about the volume of interest. Okay. Okay. So is there really such thing as 0% interest in a car loan? No. So how do they, I mean, there's got to be a catch, right? Where is it? 
Mm. I, I haven't even looked into that. Do Is there advertised 0% car interest loans? Absolutely. Okay. So let me give you an example. 0% financing. I guess I have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's car lots. Yeah, absolutely. So as I was having my epiphany about the financial world here in Louisville, Kentucky, about eight years ago. So I, I've always been, I told you I used to have a paper out as a kid. Yep. You know, it's been. In this area. Yeah. Um, pushing 30 years ago. Okay. So I've, I've always been kind of a junkie to actually have the physical newspaper. So eight years ago, still getting the physical newspaper. Okay. So one day, it's a Sunday, uh, or maybe it was a Saturday. I open it up, and I'm not going to use their name, but a particular Ford dealership here in town had an ad. Okay. And it was an F-150. It was 34000 and change MSRP, but with all the rebates and discounts, you could get it down to 25000 Okay. Okay. And then we come to the most brilliant words in marketing. Or. 0% financing for up to 72 months. And I was like, oh my gosh, there it is. I'd never saw it before. But once you see this stuff, you can't unsee it, right? Okay. So I call the dealership. And I said, this cute little bubbly voice answers the phone and I said hey thinking about coming down buying this truck and I just need some clarification if I pay cash I can get it for the 25,000 I see if I get the zero percent financing it's 34,000 I think it was 34 or 35 let's use 34 34,000 she goes let me put you on hold I need to go ask the sales manager and I'll be right back so I listened to some nice hold music for a couple minutes, and it, it was kind of a long time she was gone. She comes back. She's all excited. Yes, that's absolutely the case. I was like, that doesn't sound like 0% interest they're to me. They're calling it something else. She goes, no, that's it, what they're calling it. Okay, but, but, I, but they're calling it 0% interest, but they're calling the markup yes. something. It's some original price tag, non-discounted yeah. rate or something. I said... That's not 0% interest. You're just charging me 9000 in volume of interest up front for the price of the car. Sure. And you could have heard a pin drop. There was like three Mississippis of absolute silence. And she goes, oh. I was like, hey, thank you. Appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Click. And so now that's how they get you. So the 0% is always a distractor. Okay. Right? So like for furniture, they've got matrix, right, that says, hey, the there's a there's some percentage of people out there that won't pay the couch off in a year okay it's the same price for the couch whether i pay cash or i take the the in-store zero percent financing but what happens if you don't pay off the couch in a year they charge you back all the interest as if you, you there was no zero percent at that point okay okay so it's all that chicanery that goes on. But you uh, said you see it from 10,000 feet. So you're, you're describing the nuance, the, the nuts yeah. and bolts of it. Yeah. But safe to say over time, you see these type of patterns repeating themselves. Yeah. And you realize, huh, that bank, nor that bank, nor that <laughs> car loan, or that car uh, lot, or anyone mm -hmm. is trying to rip themselves off. They're all no. trying to rip off the customer in effect or make money. Yeah. Call it what you will. It's legal, whatever that means. Sure. Yeah. So they're all, they're all <laughs> making money off of you. That's right. And so I just got to, you know, back to that's money flowing away from me. So how do I flip that script? How do mm. I take control of that? 
and and you, you have to rethink your thinking, right? Earl Nightingale um, said in The Strangest Secret, we become what we think about, right? So if you're thinking about that nine to five, that, that kind of slave way, and you're never willing to break away, guess what? That's just what you're going to have, right? Sure. But we teach out of a book called uh, Becoming Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash. And Nelson breaks this 92-page book up. It's a brilliant book. It's small font, uh, or big font, small word, something even you and I can understand, okay? Okay. And he breaks it up into two parts, essentially. He's got the problem and the solution, okay? It's kind of like the Bible. The Old Testament's the problem, and the New Testament's the solution, Okay, right? okay. And um, he, he really talks about your willingness to think differently. And, and that's what I'm always listening for. You're talking about the guy down the street who's just slaving away, working his job, you know, making a, making a fair wage, uh, quote unquote, that if he's not willing to rethink his thinking, then he's not an ideal, I can't help you. Right. Sure. I can't want it more than you. Right. But if you, if you've figured out there's a problem in the financial world, you just don't know what, how to solve it. That's where I was. Mm. Yeah. I used to fly airplanes for a major cargo company and there's a half a dozen financial advisors here in town that pursue that group because they're well-paid and there's a lot of money goes into retirement accounts and whatnot. And I left every one of these meetings going, you know what? I don't think your math adds up, but I'm not smart enough to pick it apart. So what you're saying is after you discontinued your career as a pilot, you met with multiple financial advisors contemplating what you were going to do with your retirement assets. No, this was why I was fine. This, okay. I mean, this was a decade ago. So a decade ago, you were an active pilot. Yeah. These financial advisors were talking to you. Yep. About what? About, hey, put money in the good growth stock mutual fund. Um, okay. So above and beyond your contributions to your employer, 401. All, all of know, it. Whatever it is. Take take control as much money as you'll tolerate. I see. Passing you over. You have excess income. Yeah. Invest it with us is what they're saying. Absolutely. Let and, us manage your retirement account, the whole thing. I see. And, and you walked away from each meeting saying, I don't quite understand what's, what, what exactly yeah. they're proposing there. However, yeah, the, something the, about it doesn't smell right. Doesn't smell right. There's, I, I had, a, I had a, a sixth sense that told me there's something going on in the financial world. And that was, hey, the banks, i got to solve this other problem. Mm. The financial advising world is not saying, hey, solve that problem of you finance everything you buy. Hmm. right they're not saying hey yeah you should go buy a guard that's big a portfolio as of hard assets as you can in real estate right you know if you own this building can you get insurance on it mm -hmm. absolutely you yeah. can can you get let's just say this building's worth five hundred thousand don't know what the number is could be something like that. could could you if you had five hundred thousand on a wall street account can you get insurance on that 500000 in a Wall Street account. Can you get insurance on that? Uh, well, I guess it, what is it? Uh, Securities Investors Protection Corporation. There's some form of SIPC. I, I don't know, to be honest. Can you get insurance on that? No. No, okay. Yeah, so there's no, there's no, but that's your savings. That's your retirement plan. But this, this hard asset, which provides you income, if you're, if you're the owner and you've got tenants, it's mailbox money, right? Gotcha. Right? Do you ever raise the rents if you're the landlord? You yeah. can, yeah. Historically, yeah. they do. Absolutely, right? Like, your costs go up. It gets passed through to the tenant, right? Sure. When it needs a new roof, you put a new roof on. You didn't pay for it. Your tenants paid for it, right? 
And so it provides financial freedom for you because there's cash flow and money has to move. Motion's a law of God, right? If air doesn't flow through your lungs, you're dead. You know, water doesn't flow, it's it's poisonous, right? Okay. If money doesn't flow, it's dead. So when Kiyosaki says savers are losers, this is part of what he's talking about. Even absent of the crazy money printing that's occurred since Rich Dad Poor Dad was released because it's went nuts since then. No doubt. His story, you know, it's a fictional story, right? Oh, he did not. His biological. No, that's all made up. Really? Yeah. Because the the premise of the book is his biological father in Hawaii was an educator, (laughs) right? I think worked in the school system, was very smart, had many degrees. Yep. And and that, so that is not accurate? Not, not as I understand it. Not specifically, but then he had a friend. His right. father was maybe barely high school educated, something along those lines, That's but right. more entrepreneurial minded. And he passed on. He was his quote, rich dad, where That's his right. biological father was the poor dad. That's right. Uh, but okay. So regardless, it's the, the notion you see it oftentimes two families will come together. Yep. A, a couple is married. One side of the family values college degrees more <laughs> and That's the other right. side maybe is a little more entrepreneurial. And so the, yeah. although it may not be a, a, an accurate story, I'd say it really hits home for a lot of people. There's different ways of thinking about money. That's right. He just says, Hey, do you want to, do you want to be in the herd? Do you want to go get a, you want to go to school, get a job, work for somebody else, quote unquote, retire mm-hmm. at age 65 and then hope you don't run out of money by the time you die. Mm. Because that's what the financial advising model is, right? It is. And then right. what do you leave to your kids? Like. So maybe you got a life insurance, a term policy where it's already dead. By the time you're dead, it's useless. gone. You yeah. maybe cover your your burial, but are you passing on any generational wealth? <laughs> no. So think about it. The traditional model is you, the advisor, you're going to make a guess. I'm the consumer. I'm going to put up all the money and make a guess. And together we're going to hope. Hope's not a strategy. Sure. Right? So that's that just doesn't make any sense to me. Sure. I can't be involved in that. Okay. So, you know, if everyone's going right, I'm curious, what's over here to the left? Interesting. Okay. So, that's what we teach. Um, consistent with that line of thinking, I in 2015, I went through a divorce, mm-hmm. kind of re, redid everything back to square one financially. Mm-hmm. So, seven years ago, I guess eight, almost eight years ago now, and ended up working for a few years to pay off some debts and was able mm-hmm. to get debt free. Yeah. And now I've invested in a couple uh, rental properties. So I do Perfect. have two rental properties. Awesome. Working on pay do have two notes. Yeah. Um, but working on paying those down, yeah, one to under thirty thousand. So I'm trying to do that like Dave Ramsey thing, pay off the smallest one first <laughs> and then work toward paying off the other one. So you said you're an open book. I will be also. Those are my two yeah, and, and my wife has one too. So between my wife and I, we have three rental properties. So that's kind of the direction that we're trying to go. Now it's, you know, still takes time. So to challenge that line of thinking a little bit. Love it. Yeah. Okay. So is it, is it advantageous to pay that off? Okay. Huh. So it's, it's not necessarily, if you're the bank, remember the bank wants you to pay it off. Okay. So what's the bank gonna? What's the bank do with every payment you pay them? It's get regularly scheduled payment. You mean every the time you make a payment? The majority of it goes to uh, interest, and then a very small amount of it goes to principal. Okay, so you used to you, mean? you used to work at the bank. Mm-hmm. All right, so the lending department is the most important department at the bank. Oh yeah. Right. So if the lending department is worth a crap, 
they've got your payment lent out before you even make it. Hmm. Okay, it's called velocity of money. Okay. All right. So if if that's what the bank wants me to do, and I'm willing to rethink my thinking. But they don't want you to pay a bunch of additional principal only payments, do they? Heck yeah, they do. Because they're just getting out of the they're whole gonna thing. they're gonna lend it out again. Okay, they're getting their money back at the least. velocity. They're already getting your interest. Okay. Right. Remember, you keep it for four, five, six, seven years. So if I have a tenant who's paying eight hundred and fifty a month in rent, mm-hmm. and I'm getting to where right now I'm making three hundred, you know, I guess kind of profit, but sure. whatever you want to call it. And then if I were to pay it all off, it would go from three hundred profit a month to eight hundred and fifty a month. Still have taxes and insurance, of course. Um, that at its core sounds like it would be a better deal for me. But you're contending maybe. Depending on the situation, maybe it wouldn't be. Yeah, so think of it a couple of different ways. Are the dollars in your pocket worth more today or in the future? Um, I guess as long as I'm going to do something smart with them today. Today, always. And and for your audience that's like going, what the heck did he just ask? So think of it like this. 20 years ago, could how many candy bars could you buy with a dollar? Man. <laughs> How many can you buy now? Oh my gosh! Twenty years ago, <sighs> with a dollar, yeah. Uh, so twenty years ago, it was maybe one for a dollar. Now you can buy like a half, a half or, or less, <laughs> less. Of course, I don't know. It's been pretty dramatic. They say last year was about yeah. eight and a half percent, but that's just the numbers the government's releasing, which is a lie, right? So, yeah, so it's, it's probably a- more like ten or twelve percent inflation annually. And you said twenty years ago, so I that's mean, right. It's pretty extreme. So. The dollars in your pocket are always worth more today. Sure. So why would I give something more valuable to, to the bank? Okay. Just trying to knock it off is trying to get my asset sheet clean. You'll buy more assets. Okay. So if I would you instead of having two rentals, would you rather have twenty two? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So more properties that are appreciating. Sure. Yeah. More properties that provide phantom income, as Kiyosaki describes it, okay. which is depreciation. More opportunities for cost segregation. Mm-hmm. All of those things start adding up because the government wants you to do this. You know how we know they want you to do that? To buy more, to have um, cash flow assets like that? How? They tax, ad- tax advantage it. Depreciation. If anybody, like, listen, everybody just blew their lid over Trump's tax returns, right? It's He paid tax. He did the rules. Right? Yeah. yeah. But we've got to understand the cash flow quadrant. Okay. Okay? And, and Kiyosaki talks about this. So let's just kind of close our eyes and visualize, um, a, you know, a line straight down and a line go, cutting it in half left or right. Okay? All right. In the top left, we got an E, okay, that stands for employees. Below that is an S, small business owner. Okay? This side of the quadrant that we're, we're looking at right now are the highest taxed. The reason being, we're not solving any problems for the government. Okay. okay. The right side, the top right corner is a B, big business owner. Okay. We'll call it 500 employees or more. Okay. Yeah. And the bottom right is an I, an investor. Okay. okay. Both of those things are tax incentivized because we're solving a problem for the government. The, the B one being we're providing jobs and the I one, traditionally a, a real estate investor, we're providing housing. So play in that space if you can. 
Obviously, it's hard to start a business where you have 500 employees. So where can we be? We can really easily be in the bottom right quadrant, right? Okay. That makes sense. So thinking of it like, hey, it's not how much money you make. It's how much money you keep and for how many generations you impact with it. Okay. Okay. So if I think of it like that and challenge that thinking, remember, always ask compared to what? So instead of paying these more valuable dollars back to the bank, why wouldn't I... Uh, listen, all that interest you're paying is tax deductible. Yeah. Right? True. So why wouldn't I go get more of those? I thought about doing that this past year. I had some cash, and I ended up yeah. putting about 40, almost 40000 toward the principal. And yeah. so at least what I'm thinking now is try to get that one just off and then start. Because I'm always worried about a roof going out, mm-hmm. or a new AC unit, some you know substantial um, expense associated with those rental properties. Now, those are also um, deductible. In different ways. Yeah. So you, you, yeah, we have depreciation to, to help us there. So just think of it like this um, as well is um, always trying to think like the bank and do do the opposite of what the bank wants you to do. The opposite of what the bank wants yep, you to do. So that, that money you paid, is that money doing you any good right now? No. It's not, not in at, motion. Not at all. Not it's until not I get it to zero. It's not that 42000 the bank is making, no okay. pun intended, They're bank using, with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So could you have gone and made? I could have purchased right? another house. So if, let me ask you this. If I would lend you $100 million today, mm-hmm. okay, a year from now, all you have to do is pay me $5 million, okay? Would you take the loan? Thank you for not pausing too long. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a trick question, but okay. I can and, sign off on that. Okay. And if you're willing to make me this deal, yeah. okay. Uh, where, can we, where can I sign? Yeah, I'll get, the, well, you lend me the money. All right. Yeah, all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll get my attorney on the phone here and uh, we'll get this, we'll get this deal done before the end of the day. So let's just say that you are. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the hundred million dollars and I'm going to go buy $500 million worth of cash flow assets. Mm. Okay, so when we're talking, leverage it. I'm going to leverage it because that's what the bank's doing with our deposits, okay, right? Okay. They don't. The, well, we'll come back to that. Okay. So the might bank, as well play their game. Play the game. Can we change what the Federal Reserve and the government are doing? No. <laughs> Doesn't appear so. No. It, you, right. If you try to, you'll end up uh, in, in jail or something. Yeah. Or just dead magically. <laughs> yeah. Yes. They got you in. Uh, you know, solitary confinement somewhere, right? Who is that? Peter Schiff's dad. You know, people yeah. you have who end up avoiding paying taxes and then they yeah. die in prison and i mean it's yeah, it's, it's silly right okay. yes so i'm going to go buy 500 million dollars of cash flow assets and we're going to use the term cap rate so because if we're we're talking assets like that we're going to look at things in terms of a cap rate so let's just say we're going to get a five percent cap rate completely plausible and realistic so i'm going to make five percent on the 500 million dollars okay 25 million bucks so a year from now i say we're going to lunch. We're, we're going to dinner. You pick the spot. You know, I'm buying. I got your money for you. So we meet. I give you your five million bucks. Mm-hmm. You say, hey, do you want to pay any principal? I'm like, no, I'd rather not. And you're like, oh, cool. I got my five million bucks. I made 20 million with it. Okay. Right? It's a good deal, right? Yeah. So that's the, the, the mindset. So let's talk about how the bank makes money a little bit. So you go down to the bank and you make a deposit at the bank. To the bank... Is that deposit an asset or a liability? When I make the deposit, I give them the, yeah, the to, money? To the bank, 
Is is your deposit an asset or a liability? Asset. No. No, why? Don't feel bad. Everyone answers it okay, wrong. Okay, why? Because they have to pay it back to you anytime you ask for it. Okay. Okay? By the letter of the law, you're a creditor of the bank. What if it was like a CD where they had a 13-month term or something? Well, that wouldn't be a conventional deposit. Okay, so what we're talking about is liquid yeah, that's checking right. or savings. Yep. Okay. So what's the bank have to do with it? They have to lend it out. Okay, okay. Okay, so if you and I wanted to buy a bank, all right, we, w- we would evaluate their loan portfolio. That's where the money is. Okay. Okay, so let's apply some numbers to this. So let's just say that you deposit $10,000 into the bank. Okay. okay. And let's say they're really generous and they're going to pay you 0.2%. All right, so that's 20, a whopping 20 bucks. And they go and they sell, they're selling the money for anywhere between 4 and 28%. Right, and and those of you in the audience that are going twenty eight percent, well, just read the fine print of your credit card. Okay, it might be that your your Bed Bath and Beyond card might be twenty eight percent, right? And there are a shockingly high number of people out there who that's right operate with big balances on that type of stuff. That's right. So we're I'm going to use five point two percent as an average. Okay, Okay. so that's five hundred and twenty bucks. The borrower is paying back to the bank. Okay, simple interest. I'm keeping it as dumbed down as possible. So the depositor makes 20 bucks. The bank brings in 520. How much better did the bank do than than the depositor? Uh, substantially. Yeah, so a lot of times people will say 500 bucks. Yeah. But that's not the right answer. We have to think like a business owner. 20 goes into 520 26 times. Okay. So the bank did 2600% better than us. Here's the problem. They did it with our money. They didn't take really any risk. The bank has no skin in the game. Okay. All right. Anybody that thinks the bank's taking risk, you're, you're sorely mistaken. So what's the default? What's the default uh, amount on any given bank? It's one ish percent. Right. They're super protected. If you if you're wondering how do they do that, well, how easy was it to borrow money from the bank? Right. They've got they've got collateral. So if you wanted to borrow money from me. Mm-hmm. My first question is, what's the collateral? Sure. Right? So if I've got a nice home and i got a nice down payment, the bank's like, I'll give you the best rate. Oh, I can pay it back. What's your credit score? All that. It's super secure for them because they'll just take the property. Okay. Right? So, you know, if you wanted an unsecure line of credit, right, that's a totally different game. Right? And they're going to yeah. charge you 18%, 20 plus percent. If right? they even approve it. If they'll even approve yeah, it, right? Un- unsecured loans are kind of hard to come by. That's right. It's so the, unless it's a student loan, <laughs> federally subsidized, which you cannot get yourself out of in bankruptcy. So it's again, it's protected. I watched this thing <laughs> Dave Ramsey did. It's about the student loan crisis. Some special oh, yeah. on like Amazon Prime, I think, or somewhere. Okay, it's disturbing. Obvious. Yeah. Sorry, that's a no. different angle. No, but that you're right. It, it is a whole other problem of what I say. There's three entities that are really good about getting our money. So the federal government made student loans super cheap. Universities, because money was free, what'd they do? College, jacking up the rate of tuition. Jacking up the rate of tuition. Everybody and their brother goes, oh, you need a college degree to go make anything in this world, so I'll go and I'll max out my student loans. All you, all you became was an absolute slave. That... It epitomizes the slave That's right. term that you used earlier as much as anything because you can't get out of it. And nope. if you default, which I saw this special, once again, Dave Ramsey 
made this documentary and they were saying yeah. how their collectors will say on the phone, okay, so you can't make your payments anymore right now. You want us to put a freeze on it? And then when you say yes, yeah. okay, I can't make payments for now. Oh, no problem. They automatically are allowed to charge you just freakishly high penalties. And so your wow. amount that you owe just skyrockets even more. So it's like the poorest of the poor wow. are exploited the most. It's pretty, it's sad. Pretty sad. It is. Yeah. Different so, topic. Sorry, I didn't mean to no, throw, no. throw a wrench in that. No, no. That, that was the example of how the banks work. But just kind of back to thinking about keeping the money moving. Okay. Right? It makes sense. So you're acting like a bank. Be the bank. Why not? Why not? Well, I'm saying why, why not? If they're doing it, they know what they're doing. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Why not play the game? Play the game. Okay. You, you're not going to beat them, so join them. Okay. Right? Um, when we spoke, what was it, a few weeks ago at the Jiu-Jitsu Academy, briefly, Okay. one of the things that, um, that you had said that piqued my interest, of course, was that with your podcast and, and some different things you guys discuss, you're intrigued at least by like Austrian economics, yeah. libertarian uh, philosophy, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Um, how does that play into, in your opinion, loaded question here, our current political climate? Is there a, a place for that? Or is that just kind of like, mm. we're not doing away with the Federal Reserve, are we? No. I, I, so, I mean, in a perfect fairy tale world, yeah, we would like, I guess, default on all our debts. I mean, we have, what, $31 trillion in debt. It's going to really be more. Yeah. So, I mean, what, I don't know. I guess my question is, yeah. Is this country and our financial system headed to like a catastrophic ending? Well, you know, I, I'm not super detailed and, you know, back to the 10,000 foot comment, but, you know, the booms and the bust, they keep getting bigger. Okay. Right. So I, I think we need to brace. I mean, hold on to your rear ends coming up because you don't have these boom, these booms that we had without a bust. The bust hasn't happened yet. Right, runaway inflation. We we've got a problem coming. Okay. Um, how does this debt all shake down? I I don't know the answer. I don't think anyone really probably does. Well, I I think there might be a plan on a shelf, ready to be instituted. Really, it, it would just be. It wouldn't surprise me. Okay. You know, it's kind of like, not to sound too far out there, but it's like the the Patriot Act mm. in '01. Sure. We over a couple of days we we built this like few thousand page act. <laughs> no, that thing was sitting on a shelf somewhere waiting to be Okay, okay. You know, so that's what's kinda I feel like, hey, when there is a kind of financial reset of some is it the great reset? is it something, you know our monetary system's not gonna go away. Sure, it's the dominant. Fortunately, we were born in a country yeah. that controls the universal, the the united, the entire world financial system in effect. Really, right? You know why? Um, I guess the Federal Reserve, oil, oil. Okay. So, overly simplistic way of saying this is: if you look at OPEC, um, essentially all oil transactions have to be done in U.S. dollars. Mm. So that's why we're the world's reserve cur- currency. Whoever brokered that deal deserves a pat on the back for our lifestyle no doubt i, I mean we could pretend that it we're not <laughs> benefiting from that we could pretend but i mean I, I do think it's no doubt we live like my wife's from cuba like people from all across yeah. the world would love to be experiencing even a the broke guy down the street with a bunch of student loan debts that's you right know, we live a pretty good lifestyle yeah so it's not we, right not saying it's moral 
just that's where we're at. Yeah, so is our currency stinky? Yep, it is. But it's the least stinkiest in the world, right? And that's why. I've seen that as we complain about our inflation and, you know, yeah. losing purchasing power and how wages have stagnated over the past 60 years or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But then if someone brings a chart to you and says, okay, I get it, but you know, <laughs> you, the boogeyman's China. Let's look at their finances. They're yeah. in a, a pretty rough spot right now. Yeah. But I mean, countries all across the world are experiencing inflation, devaluation of the dollar. Um, you know, you're right. Yeah. I mean, Ours is about the closest, which sounds crazy to a, like a sound money, I guess. Yeah. So if you just think about like, well, I just, I sit back and I observe, right? Some people say I'm a conspiracy theorist and I always joke. I'm like, I'll stop theorizing when they stop conspiring. But you know, just, just, just look at, look around and connect the dots. Like I don't need to see the, the proof like in writing, like just look at it big picture. Right. But you know, you look at Saddam Hussein, um, he was going to, he said he was going to make a, a gold backed currency and transact all his oil in it. Okay. He's not on this world anymore, is he? Mm, we took him out. Yeah. Gaddafi was super quiet for a long time. Right. And he says, Hey, I'm going to start a, a gold backed currency and transact all our Libyan oil. All of a sudden he's enemy number one again. Right. Like, so technically his own people took him out. But, sure. I mean, yeah. Good story. Yeah, 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 it doesn't matter. Somehow yeah. he was gone. Yeah, so whoever it, did it yeah. did it in that way. <laughs> so I just think like it's all these problems are always over there, and it's always about. I mean, the U.S. military is always over there. It's always about protecting this fiefdom that we are the world's reserve currency. Huh. So how this all shakes down is beyond me. Yeah. Um. You know, you can look at some things from a global perspective, and I think that our borders are are quite problematic from an economic standpoint. You know, are we going to, are we going to maintain that position in the world or is it going to be more of a one world currency? Mm. And I, and I have is no that idea. Scary? Well, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it sounds scary to me, but I, I really don't, I guess I don't know even what it would look like. If you look at who we owe money to, I think it's mostly China and Japan. Mm-hmm. Or who holds most of our okay. what thirty one trillion dollars in debt? So if at some point we get to where we're paying more interest, which I think we're close to, got to be. Well, yeah. we just print more to pay them. That's what we do, right? Well, we just hit the enter button. Yeah, and and we send the money, right? We don't actually print it. Yeah. Right? So you do. That's the type of argument is don't say we print money. Yeah. We haven't printed money for years. Yeah. Yeah. We create it and send it electronically, but we do not print it. That would be a waste. Yeah, yeah. So, we don't waste resources. We don't waste paper. Yeah, so I don't know how it all shakes down. I mean, I would love to have a sound money economy, you know, where we, you know, my mentor, Nelson Nash, who wrote that book, you know, he always just said, we got to take the banking function back to the you and me level mm. because look at what these knuckleheads have done. We have a government-run economy, right? And, you know, Kiyosaki said something that I, I've just found interesting. He said, you know, you got gold is God's money. You got um, the paper currencies we use, which is the government's money. And then you got cryptocurrency, which is the people's money. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes down. Are you a fan of like Bitcoin? Yeah, I think there's, I think there's going to be a place. I mean, the U S is going to, I mean, there's going to be a digital dollar, you know, they've attacked it for long enough. You know, and it seems like anything they're attacking, they're doing behind the scenes. So, sure enough, they they haven't 
not been working on this. Blockchain, what most people don't understand is blockchain is the technology behind cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. And blockchain, that technology, it will change the world more than the, the internet did. Um, it's going to take a while, but four years ago, every Fortune 500 company had had a development project going on with blockchain. So it's the technology behind it that is going to revolutionize how the world works. I mean, the blockchain's super fascinating, and, I, and I'm, I'm not an expert and can't pontificate on it more than a second or two, but um, when you look at Bitcoin being having a finite amount of Bitcoin, they're not, they're not going to print more. Sure, that's the allure. That, that's the allure, right? There's only really, it, it's scarce, right? And so, that's why the government probably, governments would hate it. That's right. We can't control it. We can't just print more when we make mistakes and we get that's into right. office and, or, you know, whatever cycle is going the wrong way, we can't just print more to bail ourselves out. We don't like that. No. And we can't have trouble taxing it also. No, so that's, that's it. Like the government gets to just print and spend, essentially. And they're not going to be able to do that with that. So the digital dollar will be something they can just, you know, print and spend and control and all of that. They, you know, there's a lot of, there's some people out there that think that the, the Bitcoin is government controlled secretly or, you know, Satoshi, uh, whatever his name was that came up with Bitcoin, you know, that he's, you know, that, that's a, that's something that we're not going to be fans of, you know, if you, if you don't want government controlling your money, but I have no idea. Um, when it comes to the political world in the United States, of course, we have the presidential election in 2024. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. Do you have any thoughts on like who the candidates will be or anything along those lines? I predict a full on circus. Really? United States political process, a circus? Uh, you know, did, I mean, what are they on day 14 of what's going on with that? Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I, what's I, interesting to me about the McCarthy <laughs> thing is, of course, <laughs> wanting to be the speaker of the house. Sure. Um, you look at who's supporting him. I guess there's 20 uh, Republican members of the House who are standing up and saying McCarthy's a liar. We don't support him. Sure. But then the people who are still supporting him is what's kind of intriguing to me. You know, Jim Jordan supports him. Thomas Massey still supports him, which makes me wonder, like, what the hell? Like, because Massey normally, at least to me, seems like he's on the right side of or on the um, more sound side of things so I don't our, really, our side of things our uh, side of things if there's such thing as representation freedom. within the congress yeah. uh, of a libertarian or freedom that's right centric person it's thomas massey why is he supporting mccarthy i don't really know what's going on yeah i and listen i i'm a firm believer it's all a circus right like there's there's really not two sides of that aisle it's really the the haves and the have-nots okay right that's it's a it's a cynical way to look at it but that's that's my stance on it, right? And, you know, I knew a guy, I don't know, 10 years ago who ran for president of the United States. Really? Okay? He, uh, is a, his, he's from Louisville. He lives here. And um, he, he got to the New Hampshire primary. Okay? He didn't make it past that. But he, he had the opportunity to have a couple billionaires sit down with him and basically interview him for um, support. And these guys overtly said, I own people on both sides of the aisle. I'll just pay for whatever my interest to whoever. Right. And what are you going to give me? Right. So, you know, that's what's really going on. 
as sad as it might be, the people in Washington aren't, they're not representing their constituents. It's not like it was in the late 1700s where before they would vote on anything, they'd ride the horses back to their constituents and, you know, take a, take a poll essentially and figure out how they, he's going to represent his people. It's not what's going on anymore. Right. And so I predict a circus in 2024. I I predict, um, lots of, uh, civil unrest, um, in the, in the months prior, just like we had the distractions in 2020, uh, what those distractions will be is beyond me. Um, I expect the, the worst and hope for the best. And you know what I, what I, what I appreciate about what happened last time was kind of, it, it brought a lot of things to the forefront. You know, you can tell people some things, but now we were really shown. And, um, you mean the last time being the 2020 race? Yeah. Maybe the suppression of the Hunter Biden stories, things like that. Absolute suppression of information, not a free flow of information, not, not the truth being told and whether it's the medical world, the, 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 the political, you know, goofiness that would be distractions and civil unrest, you know, saying this or that, um, I would, I, I, that'll probably be on steroids again, especially if you get Trump running again, which I just, it's, it's an, it's a, it's a circus, right? You know, Trump was supporting McCarthy. Yep. For speaker of the house. Yeah. And he just, he just reaffirmed it, I believe, yesterday. Okay, yeah. So, what, day three of the circus, he reaffirmed. Um, so, I don't know what back channel, why he was quiet for a couple of days. And then, you know, the thing that kind of raises a red flag for me with McCarthy is, you know, you see the Ukraine flags on him, and so we're sending all this money over there. We can't we can't take over. That makes me wonder why the hell is Massey supporting him? So, those are the things that are, are huge Red flags for me. That's uh, not good for the the financial future of our country, is it? It can't be to send what one point nine. How much is this new bill? Like one point seven trillion. One point seven trillion more. It's not good because they'll print more than that, right? Oh, and it's a slippery we'll slope. The CARES Act uh, in twenty twenty, you know, right. almost two trillion. Massey stood up against it, which was good. Didn't do anything. It was passed. Sure, and. The real bad part is when you do that, it sets the precedent where then the next year you have some guy like Biden saying, "Oh, we're operating at a, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, De- or a, uh, surplus, a surplus." Because last year we printed all, we we did this bill, and we're not doing quite that much this year. So I'm doing a good job, fiscally sound. Yeah, and it's like the whole thing is is headed in a bad direction. But there are some reasons to maybe feel optimistic. The like Elon Musk buying Twitter, I don't know how that will work out at the yeah. end of the day, but you, you got to think, or at least I yeah. tend to think that's a, a, a net positive for like freedom, I, I, free speech. Without a doubt. It, it can't, it can't hurt. Yeah. He, yeah, exactly. It can't hurt because even if he does end up, cause he could still end up kind of turning back and being more like um, Jack Dorsey <laughs> or whoever the previous regime for Twitter was, if that yeah. happens, he deserves to be called out. But for the time being, sure. We're at least getting some glimpses yeah. Into what we really already knew, and realizing that it was maybe even worse than a lot of people thought. Oh, uh, well, I, I will tell you the conversations in our house are are ones of absolute. It's way worse than what we we thought. Sure, you know, and uh, we we by and large feel like our best interests are are rarely served from either the Republicans or Democrats. Yeah, the 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 mainstream ones. 
So I vote. I started in 2020, voted for Joe Jorgensen. Previous yeah. to that, I had always voted Republican when it comes to presidents. And I was talking to my wife about it a couple of days ago. In hindsight, like Bush or, you know, any of those people that contributed yeah. to these wars and all this yeah. horrible spending and all these innocent lives killed and things like that. I feel not obviously like it's directly my fault, but in a way I contributed to it. No doubt. Um, so in the long term, do you think there's any reason to think, I don't know, maybe a third party or something like that could emerge and positively impact things? Or, I mean, realistically, even if someone did get popular enough, I mean, Bernie Sanders, I'm not a fan at all. No, opposite. But, but he, yeah, at all. But he was probably the most popular guy. And then they just came in within the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And they just came in and said, nope, it's Hillary. And they just took the whole thing away from him because he didn't fit the mold of exactly what they were trying to do. Then Bernie comes out and says, now I support Hillary Clinton. The whole thing is a um, controlled, I think it's, uh, who's that anarchist guy, the old, real old guy. I don't like him either, but he had a great quote. Um, he said, the best way to give people, to make people feel secure is to give them the illusion <laughs> I forget what it was, that there's two parties and that they have this heated debate among yeah. the two parties, but you control those two parties very closely. That's right. And so everybody's like, look, we get free speech. We get freedom to debate each other. There's Team Red, there's Team Blue. You get to choose between the two. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to wind up with like a Michelle Obama and a Donald Trump. In 2024? Yeah, that's. I'll go on record and say that's... Michelle Obama? hmm Wow. I could see her winning. Yeah, it would be terrible. That wouldn't be good. No, not Obama. Not, um, not for free thinkers. No. What What's scary about Obama and why I would say in some ways Obama was worse than Biden is because even rational, right leaning people I have heard say, "Well, you know, at least he sounded good. At least he sounded good, and he gave dignity to the position of president, the presidency of the United States." And I'm thinking, like, that's actually a bad thing. Like, if you know someone's a buffoon, you know, even Trump, too, or Biden, you take yeah. a lot of what they say with a grain of salt, but then you think someone's on a high horse, whereas, and they're preaching about how they are all-inclusive, but they're deporting more like Hispanic people than even Trump did, yeah. in his, you know, in his one term. Um, it, it's just like putting on a face that people buy it. And then just doing just the exact opposite when it comes to contributing to like freedom for our country. What people need to understand is is how how you're manipulated, and and I'll never forget um, this like epiphany uh, during the spring of 2020. Okay. Okay. We're we're in we're in two weeks to flatten quote unquote flatten the curve, right? And we're, we're our little illustrious governor is on the on the tv in our in our house and i was listening i'm trying to figure out what's going on with all of this oh god and i said to mayor all of a sudden it hit me meredith is your wife that's my wife yes yeah sorry and uh, that's okay and i said um there's three important principles to remember about marketing okay lead with emotion followed by logic the more emotion you use, the less logic you have to use. So train your ears to hear emotional manipulation in messages. Okay. Because when these politicians sound good, look good, 
it doesn't mean they're saying a damn thing of logic. No. And, and, and arguably it means that they're far more dangerous uh, because they're speaking to the emotional side of even absolutely. maybe women more so than men, but men too are like, well, he sounded good. And I'm like, what the hell kind of comment was that? I almost feel like like just slapping someone in the mouth if I hear him say, <laughs> well, he sounded good. I'm like, what does that mean? I, people yeah. probably thought like uh, Stalin sounded good or Marx. Yeah, Mark, sound, Mark certainly sounded good. Yeah, so that is what we have to be able to wade through. And it is really hard because it's how we're wired as human beings, right? And it's preyed upon. It's back to the marketing thing. Okay. The, the ads we see, it's getting money to flow away from you. People line up to spend money they don't have, right? Sure. And then it's they not, criticize others who don't do it. There's, they talk down to them. They call them dumb. There's no logic in it, right? No. That, that new fancy thing doesn't, there's no logic to it, right? It's emotional manipulation. Sure. So these politicians, there's no logic in it. It's all emotional manipulation. When I heard that twerp down in Frankfurt talking, and all, there was no logic in what he was saying. My wife's a medical professional. She was like, started picking through things quickly that he was saying because it, it was so flimsy of logic. Sure. That's when all of a sudden I went, BS. Oh, well, yeah. It, and and it, as soon as that hit, once you see it, you can't unsee it. It was like, oh, I'm out. But you know what? Uh, the percentage of people of the population who looks at it like you do is pretty small. I'm, that's the sad part. Yeah. And it may be increasing, I hope, fingers crossed. Yeah. But when it comes to playing the political game, some people would say Bashir has done a great job. <laughs> Maybe he'll be a presidential candidate one day, like McConnell or, you know, these people who are good at playing politics, you're just like, well, I want people to know I care about student loan debt, so I'm going to talk about that. It's going to get people's ears to perk up. That's right. Or if you're Trump, you're like, I'm going to talk about the wall, and then it's or Obama, yeah, yeah. it's like Obamacare, <laughs> and you don't have to change your doctors. I mean, every president yeah. has all these things that they talk about, and then when it comes time to do something, they don't do it. Yeah, they don't really do anything. They got the emotional support. Yeah. For even the idea of talking about it. And then people years later, this is what's confusing, will be like, well, he wasn't able to do it, but, you know, he cared. Mm -hmm. Or something like that. And I'm like thinking, yeah, you were, you were played, you were manipulated. I no don't doubt. see how that can't be, you know, seen. Yeah, w without a doubt. But that's what I challenge people is to, to wade through and, and use the, listen, I know it's not a, a religious show, but, you know, I, my mentor, he... When he, when he taught uh, his book, Becoming Your Own Banker, he came to Louisville for me and he taught this financial freedom. Um, and he started it off with, he held up the Bible and he said, everything we're going to talk about today goes through the lens of this first. Mm. And it was early in my faith walk and I, I kind of cringed, honestly. I wasn't prepared for it. Um, but I've come to appreciate the brilliance of that. Because what we have to do in the political landscape, the financial landscape, whatever it is, use the lens of the Bible first and foremost, right? And what's that all boiled down to is truth. Hmm. Seek the truth. We can, being in the herd, being the sheep is not serving you. You have to, to drill down and find the truth, right? And only there is, is peace and freedom. And, you know, listen, they may be able to put me in a prison, a physical prison, but if they don't get between my ears, I'm still free. Okay. And that's the challenge really for everyone out there is to 
um, stress test everything that you're hearing through the lens of truth. Wow. I like it. Yeah. And it's not a religious show, but by all means, any, you know, I appreciate you coming on. Tell me Thank about, you. you know, your church, reiterate your website. If yeah. someone's just interested in, in hearing more uh, about what you have to say, how could they yeah, thanks. Uh, learn more on all of those fronts? Yeah, so uh, go to createtailwind.com. Um, if you're interested in learning more about financial freedom, there's a contact us button up there if you want to just uh, reach out to us that way. Or you can go to community.createtailwind.com um, or to your app store, type in Create Tailwind. Uh, all one word, and uh, we'll show you how to to um, instead of facing a financial headwind, we'll show you how to turn that around and have a financial tailwind. Uh, download the app; it's all free. Um, there's ways to contact us on there. Um, I'm, I'm not a big social media guy, but uh, um, that's the easiest ways to, to to get a hold of us. You know, you and I are are super blessed. Uh, one of the the most brilliant jujitsu instructors here in town professors or probably uh, you know in, in the many, region yeah probably yeah professor Adam, Miller. Adam Miller yeah he's a he's a brilliant professor been going to his church uh my life church and uh, we've been checking that out recently as brilliant of a jujitsu instructor that he is he's the same way with the bible I and so yeah. I'm, I'm pretty intrigued listening to him so a hat tip to to him and and hoping to wade through to the truth so thanks a bunch for for this opportunity. Oh yeah. Thank you for coming on. And you touched on something there, um, with the education and learning to really think for yourself and, and that type of thing when it coincides with being a, a parent. Yes. How important is it to instill, mm. um, you know, sound financial That's right. uh, uh, foundation for, for your children. I mean, I, I, you can't overstate the importance of something like that because you see kids coming up and they go to college for a few years, $80,000 in debt, didn't even get a degree. Yeah, that's right. And then they take out a car loan and they're like, well, I, now I got to get an apartment or I'll just live with my parents. No, I'll get an apartment. And then they, that goes south. And then, I mean, it's very sad. Yeah, the, the conversations at our kitchen table are unlike the ones I had at my kitchen table. I had someone say, hey, the biggest place that you'll ever have influence is your kitchen table. Mm. And our four kids, uh, my oldest, he was a guest on our podcast a couple months ago. Wow. How uh, old is he? He's 13. So breakaway wealth. He, this kid's already done multiple real estate deals. Wow. He's a part owner in a, in a, uh, a fence company now. And, um, you know, here's a kid that's learning, hey, you don't have to go work for someone else. Mm. You can create passive income at 13 years old. He's his own banker. He's financing deals. Um, he's teaching his buddies down the street wow. some of these principles. And so, listen, if they want to go to college and they want to be a fireman or they want to be an engineer, awesome. But show them all the opportunities, right? Show them um, no limits. Have an abundant mindset, not a scarce mindset um, with it because that's not um, – having a scarcity mindset is not what's talked about in the Bible. Okay. I love it. Great stuff, Nick. I really appreciate you coming on. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon. Thank you.